You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 65. I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and tonight I'm joined by probably the guest I've been waiting for for many a season. Big name. We've had footballers on, we've had managers on, but we've got a, an OG on the <laughs> podcast tonight. We've got Greg, Motherwell fan. How you doing? I am. I'm, I'm good, man. It's uh, it's it's nice to be back on. It's been we were just chatting there. I think it must be maybe about five years or so. It used to be a, a regular Monday night occurrence, and I have not I've not been on for a while. I remember you gave me a show a couple of seasons back. I think. I think they yeah. were been quite. I think they were kind of a wee bit around, and I was going to come back on. Then I think they lost a couple of games. Now, and my <laughs> super, superstition uh, side of me was like, "Well, that's it. Not no chance. I'm looking at me jinx it anymore." So, um, I, it's good to be back on. Ah, it's good to have you back. We, we have wandered, broth fans not to listen. <laughs> that used to be the running joke that you didn't like a broth. I, I mean, that all. Yeah, I don't know. We'll probably talk talk about the Scottish Cup to come, but that all stems from a. Uh, an eventful something north for the Scottish Cup. Yeah. Um, so the original plan we did half tonight was to do a wee bit of a Scottish, Scottish Cup special, but due to um, some of the regulars not being able to make it, we're going to change it slightly. The Scottish Cup will be mentioned, I'm pretty sure, when we talk about your memories as a Motherwell fan. Um, but we're going to kind of take it down the fan special route um, and probably talk a wee bit in context of this season and stuff like that as well. When I'd spoken to you, maybe it must have been, what, two or three months ago? The yeah. whole Robinson situation and uh, then Alexander coming in and how that's all going about. Um, so that's an interesting kind of topic, I think, to talk about. Maybe start off there, actually. Um, uh-huh. The Stephen Robinson situation, do you think he maybe stayed too long? Or... I think his I, I time was up. I, think, I, think, I don't think there was, when he announced he was leaving, um, I don't think there was many people that were surprised by it, really, because you kind of need to... So if you kind of wind wind the clock back a wee bit um, from the time they left to maybe, I think it was maybe about is it two years prior to that. So I remember around about sort of January time, we'd played, um, we'd played Ross County in the Cup, played them home and they get parked at the Cup. And that had been on the back of maybe three or four really pretty mediocre performances. And I remember at that time thinking, that that's him. He's he's got to go because it wouldn't have been it'd been a kind of slow build up of bad results for a wee while and, and not just bad results but I remember a performance that day being just abject and I, you brought me I, I don't I get used to seeing my team lose and I don't you know it, it doesn't dent my weekend anymore yeah. if they lose see as long as they've gone out and had a go and you know get a wee bit of a fight but we we limped at the cup that day um, to Ross County and I just thought this this is this is murder. He turned it around though, and it was funny because at that point he was still playing the kind of the traditional Ryan Ryan Bowman um, sort of Curtis main type footballs. Yeah. So he was just shelling balls forward and you know trying to win second balls, and that had worked for a wee while. I mean, we two cup finals and a decent league finish, and you know, that that had, that had borne some fruit. But it got to the point where I think a lot of teams had kind of worked worked that game plan out and they were now just setting up to defend against it so 
that style of football is all right. I think see if you're see if you're winning games, you're getting to cup finals, you're yeah, enjoying yeah. a wee bit of success. I don't think supporters mind watching that. But see if you're watching that and you're losing games and Hamilton are beating you and you're you're getting papped at the cup, people start to get a wee bit edgy. So they had been building for a wee while. And I think he was kind of I think at that point he was he was going to have one last roll of the dice. So we played um we played St. Murden away. And it was, I think it was just after the cup game. And he started David Turnbull and he started Jake Hasty. And, you know, lo and behold, know that, I mean, multiple fans knew Turnbull was good. We'd seen him in the reserves, but we didn't realise, you know what it's like. Young guy yeah. in the reserves, does well, jumps up to the first team. Disney always works. I, I, I think I saw him like a, like a Dom Thomas at Motherwell. Yeah. He was, you know, brilliant in the reserves. And he came in the first team and he just didn't quite hit the ground running. Um, so Turnbull and Hasty came in and more or less saved his job that season. So they went on that run. You know, Turnbull got some like 15 goals and you know 17 games or something. Jake yeah. Hasty went on that run at like six or seven games where he was scoring all the time. Um, and Robinson was kind of credited as changing multiple style of play. And they were saying, oh, well, you know, back then when I played the kind of hoofball, that's, that's the players we had. So, yeah. you know, now we've got these footballs and we're going to do something else. And I think at the time everybody was like... Mm, it felt a bit like the kind of final throw of the dice yeah, to yeah. these guys and I don't think it was a calculated decision so and again I enjoyed a wee bit of success with that and you know last season the third place finish it looks like a great season to be honest if the season had ranked course I, I think we'd have struggled to make top six because again we were on that kind of decline Aye. fast forward to this season and it's just it's, it's just been it's just been pretty shit since the start of the season it's been really really poor and just Poor, poor performances. So again, you fast forward to you know that Kamarnock game just at kind of Christmas time, and I, I remember watching the game and thinking, "This is Robinson having another final roll of the dice because that game he was getting, he was getting the wing backs to play sixty yard diagonals, and we just never done that before. And of course, it, it didn't work. And I think at that point for me, I was like. I think he's going to chuck us. I think he, I think to be fair to him, he's ran out of ideas. And, and that for me, that Kamala game was just that kind of final chuck of the dice that this time didn't work for him. Yeah. But a bit of kind of divided fan opinion, because I would look online a lot of time and see that there was guys that were fully behind him. But I know I'd spoken to yourself a few times and it was kind of, you'd, you'd felt for a while, as you say, it'd run a bit stale and things were not working out. I think even this season, you looked at the likes of the squad on paper and orders. There's maybe gaps in certain positions. I think centre-back, if Gallagher's not available, I think there's a bit of a weakness. But you look at even having the likes of Doro coming in, his performances with Scotland, they probably don't compare to what he's performing at for Motherwell, whether it's system or whatever. But the likes of Alan Campbell, who's a cracking player, um, there is good players there. But just for Hasty coming back, you thought maybe Hasty coming back, is he going to get back to what he was before he went to Rangers? What, what's happened to him? I don't know. I mean, he's... I think I think that's a good point. I think um, I mean they kind of split they split opinion in the multiple um, fans for I, I, again for a while. As I say, I look back to that you know getting out, out to Ross County in the cup, and a lot of fans turned at that point. And you kind of kept it going by you know chucking these players in, and we get Turnbull and all that. But I think a lot of fans at that point kind of a wee bit like me had kind of said, well, you got a wee bit lucky with that. You know, finding you know finding arguably the, the best player in Scotland just now in multiple reserves. I mean. It doesn't happen. That doesn't yeah. happen, you know, often. That's like a once in a 20, 25 year thing. Um, 
just to quickly say, the comparison I could make, and funny enough, it was off the back of a Motherwell game, was when you knocked us out of the cup a few seasons back, hmm. and then we played Scott McCain on the Sunday in the league fixture. He wouldn't have played if we only got thumped in the, the Wednesday night. And then look at Scott McKenna now. <laughs> Definitely, man. It's just, it's, sometimes it's just, I, I keep saying this with like, um, it's like a mate of mine's boy um, plays at Motherwell at the moment in the, in the youth team. And I keep yeah. having a chat with him and I'm saying, look, you know, it's, it's the ability's got to be there, but sometimes it's just your luck. Sometimes it's just getting in at the right time. Yeah. So you, we mentioned Jake Hastie a wee minute ago. So you look at Jake Hastie, he came in at the same time as Turnbull. He got that run of six or seven games where he played really well and he, he was scoring against Hearts and a couple of really good goals. And off the back of those six or seven games, he, he's moved to Rangers. So, you know, a lot of my fans criticising Hasty when he went, but I was saying, look, the guy's going to be there in you know, five, six grand a week, whereas at Motherwell, you're paying 500 quid a week on exactly. a youth contract, so can you really blame him? And you see how it's panned out for him. So he's not really playing at Rangers. He's come back to Motherwell and he's not really playing at Motherwell so there's an argument to say, well, if he stayed at Motherwell, not done, not made that move, he would have been on a bigger contract than Motherwell, but he wouldn't be playing. And he wasn't, be going, wasn't he going to be going anywhere. A three-year yeah. deal in six grand a week. So it's, I, think it's, I think you're right. It's a lot about that kind of right place at the right time. So like McKenna and Turnbull and all these other guys. Turnbull's maybe a wee bit different. I think he would have, I think regardless when he came into the team, he would have done well. Yeah. Other people, like, it's, getting that, it's getting that chance getting that chance to, to, to prove that you're, you're capable of playing at that level. In terms of Turnbull, obviously he's the one that's fresh in the mind just now. Is he the biggest talent Motherwell's had in your lifetime, potentially? I think he's the best... I think he's the best technical player I've seen. I think in terms of a kind of all-round um, player, so he, his ability, his physique... His fitness and for me it's his it's his kind of football and brain I think kind of set him apart from other Mavericks. So I mean we've had you know, we had James McFadden there who, you know, a mother legend, James McFadden, capable of doing things that nobody else could do, but I thought I say he was about one dimensional, but he kind of was a wee so so every time McFadden would beat somebody and score, McFadden would lose the ball six or seven times. That's just yeah. the nature of that position. And I think back even to guys like you know, Tommy Coyne as well, who was a who was a, a great player up there at Motherwell. He, he was a number nine. He was a he was a he was a goal scorer. And if you get the ball in the box, the coin more often than not he would score. But Turnbull's really the first guy since probably a Paul Lambert to stick in the middle of that park and watch him dictate a game because 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 that's what he that's what he did. I mean, he was in there as a, as a youth team player, and you could see him looking for a ball at the time constantly scanning his shoulders yeah. left and right and it's, it's the fact he gets into space so easily and, and it's, it's it's almost like it's effortless Aye I find he's really good on the half turn he's good at just, he's, his awareness is brilliant he knows the next move but he also knows what he's going to do Exactly He's just such a clever player I'm surprised massively he never got in the Scotland squad for decent games I think I wouldn't even maybe just have him in the squad just now I think he's that good that he could start when you yeah. talk about Billy Gilmer down at Chelsea, and Billy Gilmer's obviously a talent, but Turnbull's playing every week for Celtic, and I don't think Celtic would have been as good in the second half of the season if Turnbull hadn't got in the team. No, I, uh, I, I think they're spoiling. That's a fair point. So I watched, I watched the game midweek last week, and I'm seeing guys like guys like Flick coming on, and I think, really, Turnbull and Flick. I mean, listen, Scotland are kind of blessed at the moment in midfield. They've got a lot of good midfielders, and it's fine. I get that competition. Other rest there, David Turnbull for me is the best Scottish player around at the moment. Maybe 
So you can maybe look at a John McGinn and, and McGinn's doing it at a really yeah. good level week in, week out, and you think, right, okay, maybe maybe McGinn. But, but in terms of the kind of Scottish-based players, I'm not sure there's, there's many better than him just now. And I think I think if you're going to take him to the Euros, I think this these, these games here would have been a good introduction to the squad. I kind of get the impression he's not going to the Euros at the moment because if you're not involved in that squad... Yeah. I think so too. The thing I think that's different about Turnbull compared to other midfielders we've got in there is his, is his creativity, his ability to pick a pass. And I think when you looked at the games, especially against Austria and... Oh, who's the other Pharaohs. No, before the Pharaohs. The thing I think we did lack is that we can ability in the final third just to pick out a wee bit of a different pass. Um, Christie's good at it, but I feel Christie's a wee bit off the boil just now. Um, we're not playing yeah, for Celtic. Right. Yank Turnbull's playing for Celtic every week. Surely you play, you have him in instead of Christie. But Christie, I understand, is in because of previous form for Scotland, which is trying to get a balance right, isn't it? I think you look at so I look at like so 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 the first game and I, I was watching like Stuart Armstrong playing. I think Stuart Armstrong is a good player. I like Stuart Armstrong, but that kind of way where he was just he was just dropping to the edge of the eighteen yard box and a wee bit deeper and trying to get a bit of space. That's where Turnbull operates. Yeah. If he, I mean, he'll, he'll go for the middle at the front, but if you see when Celtic are attacking, Turnbull's always hovering around that kind of uh, ten to fifteen yards outside the eighteen yard box. He's looking for that space and he's looking for that pass. And you're right. I think I think it. At good European level like that, you need somebody that can just pick out these passes, somebody that's got the brain to make yep. those passes and try those passes. And I think sometimes we, we struggle for struggle for that a wee bit in, in Scotland squad. But we'll see. There's, I mean, there's there's still games to go off for the Euros. But I would be I'd be pretty disappointed if he if he wasn't featured somewhere in the somewhere in the in the squad before then. Yeah, I right. no definitely. Um, so aside from that, then Alexander comes in, who. He's done pretty well down south with certain teams. Um, probably a bit harsh in terms of the way he left at Salford. But we felt maybe him coming in from what you read about the way he played, it's not going to be much different to what Robinson plays. And no, is that maybe caused, caused an issue whereby there's not really been much improvement or if there has been any improvement at all? I don't know. I think the thing with Alexander is he strikes me as being a, a similar sort of character to Stephen Robinson, I, I, I see a kind of similar approach in terms of kind of quite a feisty attitude, demanding a high work rate, demanding high standards, which is fine. I think that's you know when, when you're when you're trading in the market, when you're trading, you need your players to be you know on the ball, fit, and given 100. So I think I think there'll be similarities in there in terms of his kind of approach. It's it's difficult to judge Alexander at the moment because uh, he's been tasked with keeping us in the league, so. Yeah. As long as you know, if we you know if we manage to beat St. Martin on Saturday, then you know it looks like we're, we're pretty safe. But we're not safe yet, so he's still got to grind that out. So the supporters at the moment are, you know, are enthused that we've had some good performances. But the, the problem this season is we'll have a couple of good performances, and then we'll get scudded by Hamilton, yeah, and we'll get scudded by St. Johnston, and we'll get thumped by Kilmarnock, and that that's the thing at the moment that I think still in the back of everyone's mind in terms of. Is this to do with tactics or is this to do with just a bad crop of players? I don't know. I mean, like you, you mentioned it earlier, at the start of this season when I looked at the squad, I thought, oh, that looks pretty good. I thought, you know, we shouldn't have been any danger here, but yeah. we just, we get hammered by ridiculous injuries this season. I think at one stage we had 18 first players out. So, you know, you lose somebody like Trevor Carson and goal, you know, a Northern Ireland international. Yeah. 
you've you signed Scott Fox as his replacement. He gets injured straight away. So you're having to, you're having to sign a couple of dumplings that were hopeless, really. So at one point, I think we had five or six keepers in the book. Liam Donnelly as well gets injured two games into the season. Who yeah. big big player for us? Yeah. Big player for us because not just that presence, but he chips in with goals as well. Yeah. He's hitting penalties. We bring guys in like you mentioned before, Hasty. Doesn't really happen for him. We bring O'Hara back. Doesn't really happen for him. We bring Chris Long back. Looks as though he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Declan Gallagher. It looks as though he wants to be away. Aye. And I think I think at the moment in the that kind of squad of players we've got, I don't think it's a great dressing room just now. I, I think I think the COVID thing's no help that either. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I think that's been tough too. But there doesn't seem to be a kind of unity within the dressing room. So I would imagine that as, as soon as Touchwood were out of trouble, you would I would imagine there'd be quite a few heading for the door. I, I, I reckon Gallagher's probably away. I think you know yeah, he's out of contract anyway, isn't he? So well, there's, 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 there was a rumour, there was a, a, a story appeared in the record, I think, so take it with a pinch of salt. There was a story in the record um, around about kind of January time that said if, if Gallagher plays another game, it triggers another year's extension. Ah, right, okay, aye, yeah. And at the same, within days, Gallagher uh, appears with a hamstring injury. So, of course, all the conspiracy theorists in the Motherwell crowd are like, he's at it, he's at it. And there's no, there's no proof of that at all. He might well yeah. have been injured. But I think I think that's been obviously is that's been renegotiated. So he's here at the end of the season. But I, I would imagine yeah, at the end of the season he's his eye on on a, on a move somewhere else. I think yeah. there'll be a, a reasonable movement out in the summer, and I think that's probably fair enough. I mean, guys like Polworth, Polworth will be out the door. Polworth. You make a Polworth because he was a, was it maybe when he first signed he kind of seemed to add a wee bit of creative edge to his. He was but, good. He was good. Um, I mean, when the season when Turnbull was out. I think Polworth, I think he led the league for assists. Yeah. So he was really, really good. The problem was David Turnbull came back fit again. Uh, Motherwell wanted to sell David Turnbull. So Turnbull starts to play. Polworth dropped to the bench. And at the summer, he wasn't happy. He was he wanted away in the summer because he's like, I'm dropped. I want out my contract. And they're saying, look, playing Turnbull, as soon as Turnbull goes, you're back in. So and fair enough, he did. He came back in. But yeah. I think... I think he's I think he's heart was somewhere else at the moment and he's he's just not really he's not really replicated that form this season and that's that's the problem because Motherwell can afford maybe one playmaker in the middle of the park. And if you're the playmaker in the middle of the park and it's not happening, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty obvious that it's not happening for you. So I think he's he's not got a game at the moment. So yeah. he's he's on his way. I think his missus was in Twitter at the weekend having a pop at Graham Alexander. So oh, Fantastic. Uh, I'm not going to head well, is it? Um, I, suppo- I suppose I don't want John Gamble as well. He's obviously going to be away, I would think. Was there a, has been a bit of a missed opportunity in terms of getting a good bit of money in for him? Or I think there's still a, I think there's still a chance. We'll get, it depends where he moves to, but I think um, I think we're still doing like a compensation package for Com- um, not Tom Campbell. So yeah. I think I think it's about half a million. Which you know, it's, it's decent money. You know, if we'd signed him maybe right at the end of last season, if we'd re- told him then the last season where you left in his deal, you might have got a million. But um, I don't know. He's 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 kind of been a, a bit like the rest of the squad this season. He's been kind of up and down a wee bit. Campbell he went through a, a real dip uh, just around about Christmas time as well. And in fact, he coincided with like a like a bad run of games, and that's that tells his influence on the team. And yeah. Campbell's having an off game. 
you know, we struggle. He, he, he's perked up a wee bit, though. He got a good goal at, at Kilmarnock a few weeks ago and he's, he's scored at Celtic as well. So he's, he's coming back onto a game again. But I think Campbell's been a brilliant player for Motherwell. He really has. I mean, he's, he's up through the ranks, cost us nothing. And just one of these guys is just a solid 7 out of 10 every week. But I think I think it's probably good for him if he got a move now as well. I think it'd be good for his career to move on, try something different, go and play somewhere else. So um, I, don't, I don't think anybody would... would, would um, you would have an issue if, if, if the boy goes away in the summer and gets a, and gets a decent move somewhere else. I say, but we'll be doing some compensation. So yeah. It's fine. I, I heard it was talk I was going after him Aberdeen, but I don't know if that'll happen. Now, I suppose a lot could depend on someone that's a wee bit similar to him as Lewis Ferguson, I think. I think Aye. the two of them have had a kind of similar kind of yep. career path so far in terms of the way they play. Maybe neither of them are, have nailed down what their best position is in midfield. Aye. Because I've seen I, Campbell I at times been the one early in the season for you that was driving forward getting the goals. Whereas other times I've seen him in the middle of the park dominating games at times. I don't know what you feel is his best position. but I, I, mean, I, I mean, he's certainly, he's one of these, he's one of these guys because he's because um, he works so hard and he's so fat. He's, he's, I mean, he's, he's box to box. He'll be, he'll be the guy that's running back to clear one off the line and he's, he's the same guy that's running forward as well. So I think, I think sometimes... I think sometimes we ask him to do too much. I think in the middle of the park we rely on him to be there and and, and you know do everything. And at the moment, you know, Alexander's kind of, sort of playing a four three three just now, so it means that it's a lot. If you're if you're one of those kind of three midfielders, it's it's generally a holding role in there. You're not really getting the chance to go forward because you've got three centre forwards in front of you. So I think that's maybe stymied his um, his ability to get forward and score because he's he's I think he's he won't be the top scorer this season, but I think he's probably in there with seven or eight goals, which for a, you know, for a battling midfielder is, yep. is, is, is a decent return because I don't, there won't be many of our forwards with more goals than, than Campbell this season. And that, as I say, that's him playing in that in kind of more of a kind of holding midfield role. But uh, I, I'd, like, I'd like to see him get a move somewhere else and, and see if they can maybe give him a wee bit more freedom to get forward. And that's a creative side of his game. But... We relied on so heavily just to, you know, be chasing guys about in the middle of the park and snapping into tackles and closing things down, which is brilliant at doing. They can they can do that all day. But you look at like say John McGinn as well, and you think, has he got, has he got the capability to go in and be like a kind of a John McGinn and, and add those goals to his game? I don't know. Maybe maybe a move somewhere will give him the, the chance to do that. Yeah. Um. Are you mentioned about obviously about overhaul in the summer? I take it you're a bit like us at Aberdeen. Loads of players out of contract, and we've got we've only got about twelve players signed beyond the end of the season which is unheard of at Aberdeen under McInnes when he was there, but um, big overall we'd acquired. And I think I think a bit like, I think you guys, like you're saying that a wee bit like us, I think there's, you know, we'd be changing managers coming in and maybe a wee bit of change in regime as well. It's, it's, it's probably, in some ways, it's maybe a bit fortuitous. We've got so many players at a contract because it's easier at that point to then shuffle the squad a wee bit, yeah. whereas if you're sitting with guys and, Two three year deals and the manager my manager comes in and Disney fancy them. You're kind of you're either saying them look you're not going to play or you're forced to play them in a in a kind of system you don't want. So I think there's there's a wee bit of fortune about that as well. But we're, I mean we're kind of signing up some of the guys that are here already at the moment. So you know Davis McGarvey's signed up and um, Crawford for Livingston signed up for another Aye, year. Yeah. Donald looks as though he's probably going to sign a two year deal. Um, so we are picking some players up that are in there already, but I think a lot of Motherwell fans are kind of waiting for the Graham Alexander signings because 
even in January there, there was, you know, he's bringing in likes of Jordan Roberts for Harps. Now, I don't, I don't see that Roberts is in Alexander's radar anyway. I mean, Liam Kelly came in, but that wasn't his signing. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, Foley from St Mirren again. I'd be amazed if Alexander had been keeping tabs and guys at St Mirren that were making the game. So I think a lot of Motherwell fans are waiting to see kind of what, what kind of stamp he puts on the side with the, with the players he's got again. Because, you know, Motherwell manager, one of the big things is you need to have a kind of reasonable working knowledge of the lower English leagues because that's predominantly where yeah. we, we plucked guys from. So I think that would have been part of the... Um, certainly part of the interview process to prove that he had a, a, had a working knowledge of that. So, but I mean, everybody's, everybody's scraping about for, you know, a centre forward that will get 15 goals. Aye, and, aye, you know, aye. We, we can get them for 700 quid a week. It's, it's difficult to do. And, you know, I think you look at some of Robinson's signings, you know, maybe maybe a 50% hit rate in terms of the ones that worked. For every one that worked, there was one that didn't. So, I mean, Aberdeen, obviously, they're shot in a slightly different market. So, yeah, yeah. you're up a wee level from that. So, it maybe opens up the opportunities a bit more to have a maybe a kind of higher calibre player in there as well. And the, and the glasses contacts, you know, over in the States, you wonder if there's, you know, opportunity maybe maybe bring some punters in for there as yeah, well. So, yeah. I think it'll be an interesting summer for, for lots of clubs in Scotland. You look at Celtic as well and you think going to be a new manager in there too. Yep. So what are they going to do in terms of trying to get that league next season? So yeah, and we hopefully with COVID lifting, it's going to make it a lot easier to get your know, kind of players shunted around the place as well. I think it should do. I mean, even I was reading or not reading, I watched Dave Cormack's interview. It was like a Q and A, and he was talking about our relationship with Atlanta and stuff like that. And um, if COVID hadn't happened, we'd have had some of our youngsters going over there. And the likelihood is we would have had a couple others coming from America to here. Now that class is in, it's inevitable it will happen. Um, I think names getting linked already as the ones the British players like Mulraney's there. I think yeah. the boy walks at Spurs um, and stuff like that. It's been interesting to see what the development is, but that season I think could shape up to be a really interesting one because you've obviously got the situation at the top. You expect it will just be Rangers and Celtic will be competing, but it's a, a 30 million league because of the Champions League situation. Oh, huge, huge. And below that, we'll be looking to obviously improve um, yourselves. The two that have impressed me are the two Saints. I think Callum Davidson and Goodwin are doing tremendous jobs at their clubs. Ah, Goodwin was on my, if I was uh, on the, the board of Aberdeen, which I'll say not, Goodwin would have been on my, my shortlist, definitely. I think ah. he's a guy that will go places. I like the way he talks. He's had good results against the old form, doesn't seem to be kind of scared of playing a wee bit of decent football, going for it. Um, I think they've, they'll be one to watch that season again. Ah. And then you would think if Kilmarnock stay up, which it's looking like they probably... Uh, I think Laffin is going to keep them up in it. Laffin looks as though he's going to single-handedly keep them in the league. Aye, Tommy Wright will have, you would think, we'll, we'll get them sorted. Um, but there's going to be a lot of good teams, potentially. I know, I mean, it could it could be a really exciting league and you assume Hearts are going to go up there as well. And, yeah. and again, it's not it's not a stretch to imagine they'll have a new manager and post as well, I think, given the way that you know, things are panning out for Nielsen just now in the fact that a, a big section of the, the heart support of I think have kind of have kind of turned on where we were. But I, I agree with you with, with you know what you're saying about Jim Goodman there. I think anytime I hear him speak like kind of post-match, pre-match, he always comes across really, really well. And I think I think he's the type of guy that players would want to go and play for as well. Yeah, you know, I think he's got that he's got that wee bit about him where you know he's he's obviously you know played in the league for a, for a while and was you know I think it's really I think it's really interesting when you hear him speak after a game and he comes across as such a such an articulate guy and and yeah. then you know you think back to the Jim Goodwin that was on the pitch 
and you know he's getting sent off for sticking a nut in someone, and he's you know red cards left, right, and centre. It's just it's just a real it's just a real funny contrast between the guy that you see now on the screen, the guy you saw in the pitch. And one of the things that I remember Mullerwood did like a, a documentary thing when Turnbull was coming back, so it was like his um, recuperation, his recovery, and all that sort of stuff. So the cameras everywhere, and he made his he came off the bench against St. Martin at, at Fir Park, and it was a kind of camera behind the behind the dugouts watching the kind of substitutions getting made and it was it was um good when that day when he saw him coming on made a point of coming over and just getting you know, a wee tap in the back and stuff and it's just, it's just wee things like that you think the guy's a class act you know yes, it's like yeah. people notice that and you think hey that's you know he doesn't need to do that he could be like oh you're turnbull coming on we mm-hmm. just come over and he just give a wee clap in the back so i callum davidson as well you're right i think he's because it was interesting, you know, big shoes to fill when Wright moves yeah. on, and you kind of think, well, is this St. Johnson on the slide now? Turn on, they've got a lead cup in their pocket again. Top six again. It's, it's yeah. just St. Johnson are a, St. Johnson are just a top six club. They have been for the last 10 years, and I think that's what lots of, kind of provincial clubs, certainly Motherwell and Kilmarnock, and these, they're aiming for that kind of St. Johnson level of success. So I, 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 I think it's next season. Because another old, old face you'll remember is Nori. We had Nori on there. Up the, the oh, aye, aye, up aye. The, yeah, yeah. up to the final, which was good. Um, and aye, he was delighted, obviously. You, you think they only won the Scottish Cup, what, 2014? And aye. then our cup in quick succession. He's saying, this is the best year for St. John's ever. It's, you, you just can't believe it. In terms aye, when he first started supporting them, they were a League One club. Oh, aye. aye. Probably would have stayed there. Aye. I think yeah. the, the kicker for them, the kicker for St. Johnston as well, the boring bit for St. Johnston as well is they've got their house in order off the pitch as well. So they're sitting with two million quid in the bank as a kind of, you know, a rainy day fund. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of McDermott Park. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of these. I find it a bit soulless, but to be perfectly honest, for a, for a club that size, it's ideal. You know, low maintenance costs. It's, yeah. they're, they're running their business really well. So it's not a big surprise that, you know, that's getting transferred onto like on pitch success as well, and it's just this, just a steady, consistent level you get with St Johnston. I mean, for all the years I've watched your know, Premier League football, St Johnston have always been that club where whatever you're playing them home or away, it's always always a tough game. So it looks like it's continuing under Davidson. Interesting if he does, if he gets. I would, I would imagine it would be a wee bit interesting him coming this summer as well in terms of every other club sniffing around as well. It wouldn't surprise me if he was one of the managers that would, that would be moving on shortly. I will say I had a good apprenticeship because obviously he was assistant to Tommy Wright. Then he went down to Mill- Millwall, worked a wee bit. He's worked in the Scotland setup, yeah. um, so he's obviously a good coach to be in these circles. The thing yeah. you've touched on, well, about St Johnson, there's one I want to be bring out about Motherwell. Obviously, the whole Welsh society and everything got off the park in the community aspect. Motherwell, I think, seem to be just worrying at these things. Social media as well. Motherwell have got it spot on in terms of engagement. That's what it looks I- like from the outside, anyway. Aye, I mean, it's been, it's kind of been quite a long time and um, it's not been an overnight thing. I think it's safe to say. It kind of, I think it kind of started when um, Leanne Dempster was there. That was really, for me, that was kind of the, the kind of start of a new regime, if you like, just a, just a, a new way a, a new way of the club kind of branding itself and interacting with people. It became a lot more open. It used to be it was a bit of a kind of closed shop, so unless you knew, you know, Jim Chapman or you know, one of the directors or something. It was, it was kind of, you didn't really get to see behind the curtains a lot. Yeah. I think Leanne Dempster made, you know, made big moves to try and, you know, remedy that a wee bit by being available to talk to supporters. You know, any supporter function, she was there. She was 
she was present. And it was really, you know, the, the Royal Society thing kind of came from her. It was her, um, her and John Boyle kind of came up with the idea. So she she kick-started it. And, I mean, it's, I'm a new, I mean I, I'm in the Royal Society. I give them money every month. I think it's okay. I think it could potentially be better. I think it's got better over the last couple of years. I mean, I think this kind of idea of, you know, fans elected on the board. I know certainly the first couple of incarnations of that, it was... And, you know, no harm to people that were elected on, but it was Aberdeen fan. You, you, there are guys who are kind of known faces that aye. kind of always seem to pop up and do things. And, you know, your general Joe blogs. Aye, be and maybe they're writing the programme a week or they've done this aye. or they've known around the club. And that, they kind of did that initially to get it up and running. But I think, I think kind of over the last couple of years, there's been, crucially for me, there's been more kind of younger people getting involved. That was... That was one of the things that put me off a wee bit because you know you kind of looked at some of the board members and they were all of a kind of similar, I, I guess, Macan age. I think that's the depression thing. My age and a wee bit older, and I just didn't feel as though it represented like the whole fan base. Yeah, yeah. A lot. So that's I mean that that, that was changed. I mean, um, so Derek Watson for a while, who was um, so Derek was kind of the organizer of the the, the Well Boys and that for years and years. He's still involved in that, just now a wee bit older. He was on the board for a bit, which was good because you're, you're then starting to get these guys were a wee bit of voice on that board. Whereas before it was, it wasn't really like that. And a couple other guys coming on laterally as well who are, who are pretty active in social media and and kind of and kind of um, kind of pushing the kind of fans bit forward as well. So I think I think it is improving, but we're kind of stuck at you know subscription numbers. Though it's not. I mean, I think we and Dempster thought it would you know it would take off and there would be you know ten thousand people. Joining up to be part of it, it never really panned out that way. It was it, it was a bit slow to get going, but you know, gradually growing the numbers. I think it's around, I think we're around maybe three, three and a half thousand at the moment, and that's kind of monthly contributors. So there's a there's a fair bit of money trickles in via that, and it's not it's not like Harps where you know you've got a support who are almost bankrolling your Aye. football club. I mean, we 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 drip a bit of money in. It's there as a kind of rainy day fund, and it'll pay for me bits and pieces as well. But I think I think you're right. I think um, so. Leanne Dempster came in was big, and then the move to Alan Burrows as well. Alan was always at the club anyway, so he did the media thing, and he took it up another level because that I think for a lot of punters, I mean, Alan Burrows was one of the guys that would sit in the stand years ago. He would be on the buses to the away games years ago, and he's now he's now running the club and. I mean, like, listen, MD running a club, Dave, Dave Cormack will be the same as much as he's popular with the fans. As soon as you're running a club, you're going to get criticism. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's going to come your way. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're doing it for the right reasons, you'll get criticism. And Alan Burroughs gets a fair amount of criticism, but there's very, very few big decisions that he's made as far as I can see that he's, that he's got wrong. And that, that for me, is the kind of... Um, the, the kind of kicker for that. And it's just, it's just wee things at Motherwell at the moment, like just spending a wee bit of money on different things around the ground, making it a kind of nicer place to be. Yeah. And just, we've not got a lot of cash, so we're doing it gradually. But you can see that noticeable difference now of wee things coming in where it looks a bit more like a professional setup. And we can't do it all overnight, but we're starting to do it a wee bit at a time. And, I mean, the, you know, the social media thing for me... Mm, I, I can take it or leave it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, lots of people love it. I think it's maybe it's maybe going a bit overkill now because it's, you know, I mean they're consistent with it. So after every game, there'll be like a wee a one minute spiel and a wee bit of video and all the rest. And of course, this season they're getting hammered because they'll put that they'll put that wee one minute thing up and it'll be maybe 
maybe a bit Declan Gallagher saying, oh, you know, disappointing, you, you would go again next week and, you know, it's all about believing. And of course, as soon as they post it, everybody's piling in and saying, ah, well, get this, Dave, <laughs> you know. Well, it's changed a fair bit in terms of responses and reactions. It's uh, Again, yeah. it's like guys like so we get Grant Russell in a few years ago that used to, I think he used to work for STV or BBC. Uh, yeah. So he's unrunning that now. Again, it's all done this year's time. There's only three of them that do it, and it's, it's generally pretty good. So uh, it's like, I mean, it's, it's like same as on the pitch. If you recruit the right people in the right positions, then that's, I think that's what that's what gets you that success in the end. And Mother will be lucky. They've got good people running the show at the moment. Yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of dribbling down a wee bit, but. Um, Aye, it's going to head in the right direction, but you know, we all things, we all things, uh, mother, will you wait for the kick in the teeth? It's generally just around the corner. But there's good, th- good things happening with the community aspect of things as well, aren't there? Because mm. I know, well, it's happening everywhere, but the whole mental health side of things is massive just now. And Motherwell Inc. were one of the forerunners early on in terms of getting the community involved. If you had any kind of mental health issues, come along or speak to us, whatever, and we'll try and help out, which uh, is massive. We've seen yeah. it recently yeah. at the weekend as well. I know a Motherwell fan is having kind of some issues. Um, hopefully, get sorted. Um, I know. I mean, it's. I mean, they've always been. Um, the community thing's always been really, really big at Motherwell. I mean, it runs. Um, so they do everything for like boys and girls football from the age of I think three upwards. I mean, my boy played played for the community for a while, um, and they do the kind of walking football. So yeah. they do. Um, so football for kind of um, slightly disabled people as well. They're, you know, they're doing you know football fans and training, so taking people that maybe need to lose a wee bit of weight and giving them some training. I mean, it's a good, it's a good PR exercise for Motherwell, but also it does it reaches in the community as well, and it's, it's it's nice to know that you know. I think I think so. I think sometimes if it, if it, if it was a slight criticism, sometimes Motherwell kind of paint themselves as this kind of force for good in the community and I think that's all right I think that's okay it's got a really big part to play but I look at the Twitter biography and it says um, we're here to improve people's lives every day and I think okay but actually you're here to win football games because if you don't win any football games the whole infrastructure crumbles and I I get that kind of I'm not saying I disagree with the message I think sometimes they paint themselves as being like, you know, the Messiah, but in actual fact, they're a football team. And without that football team and that league and that winning, a lot of that community stuff doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I know it's a fair it, point, definitely. Um, but, uh, but I know it's, 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 I mean, they're, like I say, they're, they're, they're generally pretty upfront. And like you say, with the suicide awareness stuff, they've always been. Really, really good with that sort of stuff because unfortunately we've got just a, an epidemic around here at the moment. Um, over certainly over the last kind of five, six, seven years, it's just around us, and, and, yeah. and so many of these predominantly uh, young men as well. So many of these guys are, are, are connected with the with the football and you know go to Fir Park or, or in some way involved. So it's it's you know it's absolutely right that the that the club and the supporters are are kind of doing as much as they can to try and raise awareness of that. And, and yeah, like you say, the weekend was a good example where we had um, somebody who was sounding very good and the, and the kind of the outpouring of help from all corners at, at, at the weekend was, was really quite encouraging. And it's nice to see that type of thing because you think, you know, you know, the message that they're trying to get across is obviously working out there and, and loads of people saying, look, I've been in the same boat, give yeah. me a shout. And I think, I think that's what's really important as well, just that kind of, I can outreach and help when somebody's struggling a wee bit. 
Aye, we saw the positive social, positive side of social media then, uh, with that in terms of everything that went on. So, um, I'm going to go back and talk about a bit of memory. So we did say we're going to talk a wee bit about the Scottish Cup. Now, obviously, it came back at the weekend, and a, an interesting thing that I've seen, you've been drawn against Morton in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Now, what happened? What happened in '91 when you drew Morton in the quarterfinals, eh? Aye, well, I mean, it's it, you know, this is this is one of these things that every time there's a there's a kind of there's a kind of cup competition, there always seems to be some tenuous link thrown back to <laughs> back to what happened in 1991. So you know, obviously this year it's, it's, it's a 30 year anniversary of that. So this, you know, you know, but unfortunately we've, we've been here so many times in the past, and you know, it's a funny thing because you know, 1991 takes care of itself. I mean, it's you know. Massive day in Motherwell's history, an incredible cup final, you're one of the best ever. But it's funny now because there's a whole generation of Motherwell supporters now. So if you think of like a lot of these younger guys that go to the games now who will be kind of from 13, 14, 15, up to 20 odds, they don't remember 1991. Yeah? Yeah. They're only around. And I think I think sometimes we overplay the 91 thing a wee bit. I understand everybody gets excited about it and it was, it was a great occasion, but... I think also we've got to remember there's, there's a whole generation of other fans for whom, you know, they weren't there. And I'm not saying they're fed up hearing about it, but they're now desperate for a Motherwell team to go and do it again. And oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. almost like a bit of a, a millstone sometimes. It's always compared with what happened in 91. And I don't know whether that has a psychological effect on players or not, but... Yeah, it would be nice if they could if they could throw that kind of monkey off their back a wee bit by by you know lifting another bit of silverware at some point. Ah, uh, yeah, probably doesn't help as well because it's regarded as the best final of Aye. maybe all time, even in the Scottish uh, Cup. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, right. that builds up even more. What age were you been when they won? So I would have been, oh, I would have been what eighteen, eighteen at the time. So you were so, just at, you were just the right age then to enjoy it. So just about the right time, as I say, it was kind of. I mean, I I don't have I don't have huge memories of the cup if I'm being honest I was I, mean, I remember a game and whatnot but around about that time I was probably I was probably more into going to gigs and going to music yeah so, you're like me yeah, I, I was I was in my gigs at that point so the, so the football was always kind of was kind of secondary I was never a home and away fan at that point I had I'd kind of drifted away from football and for a while when I was when I was younger I got to my little games now and again I was younger for maybe pals for the school and whatnot uh, and then I would go on a Saturday. I would watch. I'd watch a lot of amateur football because my my dad was always involved with sort of local amateur teams. So a Saturday afternoon for me was you know putting up the nets for Clarence Miners and watching some plumbers and electricians kick lumps at each other for for ninety minutes <laughs> yeah, before yeah. going and get a Coca Cola in the social club. And I mean, I, I I did that for years, and it was really, I suppose it was really. Um, Aye, so it turns at 15, 16 and, and kind of moved away from home, moved, moved through to Edinburgh. And, and for me, I get I get right in my music at that point. So that was really my my focus back then. Football was kind of secondary. It was really you were chatting, chatting about Scottish Cup memories. So if I so for me it was about 93, 94, we played we played Dundee United away uh, in the cup. I think it was the first sort of proper round of the cup and um so we'd, we'd get up, it was a, a mate of mine was driving up and um, he'd never driven to Dundee before, so he didn't even know where he was going. And there was a, another mate, his dad was driving, so we had this kind of convoy of cars that was going okay, up. Aye, aye. In the back of the car I was in, my mate was driving, his dad and two of his pals were there, so we picked him up at the local social club. 
And you'll get a football, you get a carry out for the cast. You know, a couple of cans. These guys appear with like a bottle of whiskey, glasses, and mix them for the whole lot. So they've got like a mini bargain on in, in, in the back of this. Was it the football yeah. or the rugby you were going to? I, I, I mean, I was, I was in the, I was in the front. I, don't, I didn't think I was on that. I was on the drink. But these are clinking the glasses away. So of course we're heading up to Dundee, and um, guys are drinking the back of the car. So they get to Perth, and of course somebody needs a toilet. And uh, he's, my mate's like, he says, "Well, I can't stop." He says, "Because if I stop, I can't. I'm at the convoy, and I don't know where I'm going." So you know, it's like Perth to Dundee's a good, you know, thirty minutes, forty minutes. So this guy in the back of the car was sitting cross-legged all the way to Dundee, and since we managed to get parked, I've never seen MD <laughs> car as quick in my life. And uh, I so we got there for that game. It was, it was a, it's just, a, it was just a cracking cup game, I think. Um, I think we went one nothing up. I think Stevie Kirk scored, and then Dundee United scored two. I think it might have been Brewster that got two. Right. And it was one of these games. It looked like we were at the cup. And it was, yeah, I think it was into, I think it was into injury time or something. And it was, uh, it was big John for living. Uh, cropped up with a pile uh, driver to six, to six yards. Uh, some some corner came in the smash in the box and uh, oh, absolute bedlam. It was bizarre. We were in the kind of we were in that kind of, kind of main stand at Tannadice that day, and it's the wee narrow seats. Yeah. So like, there's nowhere to go. And, uh, the Dundee first team were sitting in front of us that day as well, because they must have got tickets for something. Billy Dodds <laughs> was sitting in front of me. That's that's one of the things that sticks out. It's Billy Dodds in front of me. So of course the goal goes in and everybody ends up you know, three rows in front of where they were before and just one of those, just one of those great celebrations and, you know, we, we head at the ground and, and, and there's a, there's a full scale riot happening in the road. <laughs> Somebody's getting hit with a traffic cone and it's, it's just one of the days, it's just like a They're proper, the cup, eh? <laughs> a proper cup day. And oh, I remember yeah. like, we went back to mother and jumped in the pub and I remember saying to somebody, was like, that was, that was brilliant fun. That was really, for, for me, for that point on, that was me kind of, home and away so all the home games buses to away games and that was a yeah. kind of three four year spell I just I just going everywhere with mother and it was really that game really kicked it off for me because at that point I was going pretty regular yeah I was like this is just brilliant fun so uh, <laughs> away games. but that, that for me the, the cup for me is those away trips that's really that's that's what makes a cup for me because I mean Aberdeen will be the same so I mean you you get a cup tied somewhere near away you always take another 30%. Oh, definitely, aye. I remember Aberdeen bringing massive supports to Motherwell for cup games, you know, filling that south stand. And I mean, Aberdeen always brought a good crowd anyway. Yeah. Filling that south stand and, you know, Motherwell would maybe take five, 600 to an away game. But for a cup game, you're probably putting another five, 600 onto that. And it's always like a, like a kind of, a sense of expectation, like a kind of cup crowd. So guys yeah. that you've seen for a while coming out for games, and if you got a good away trip somewhere, that would that, that just always made it. That just always made it better. So you know those. I mean, it's just League Cup's all right. You know, we've got good memories in that as well. But I think there's just that wee bit of excitement around about the Scottish Cup when it comes to January. And you, you know, you're in that, you're in the pot, and you're in the draw. And I mean, I remember going to games in Bolton down the pub straight after to to watch you draw for the next round, and just all that excitement. You know, it's oh, brilliant. Because even as well, like see, like you're talking about a generation I've not seen Motherwell win a cup. Even before your generation, there was what a thirty-nine year spell. I know it was. It was. It was you know, there, there were people who probably, you know, if they'd been too young for the for the for the one in the fifties, you know, there's, there's every chance they wouldn't have seen them. You know, yeah. just depending what happens in your life, there's every chance you wouldn't have seen them with the cup in ninety-one as well, because you know it was a it was a big it was a big gap between those wins, and you think 
yeah, I think back in 91, everyone kind of thought, oh, you know, this is brilliant winning cups. Wait, wait till the next time we win a cup. And you're suddenly like that. Well, that's 30 years now. And you look at Hibs and there's just, there's no guarantees. Aye, well, I'm too, like, I remember briefly, like, the 86 and 90 finals for us winning them. But I was, I was young. I was only, I'd have been, I think, seven in 86. And then even 90, you're no, you're Aye. still a kid at school. You don't remember these things. You remember yeah. a wee bit to the game. You remember the penalty shootout. I yeah. don't remember a thing about the game in 1990. I don't know it was a, a, anything. I probably maybe do remember. I don't think it was a particularly great game. Um, the big thing would always be the Charlie Nicholas. He was moving to Celtic Aye. after, and you're thinking, Aye. oh, what's going to happen here? But that's about it. And the 86 final was the first one I watched. Um, and when I started getting a wee bit of interest in football, but again, you're too young to remember. So for me, I've no celebrated a, a Scottish Cup win properly or had the chance to. Um, I know, I mean, Aberdeen have got a decent record of getting to finals as well. I mean, that, that, that's the thing as well. It's like you've chanted semi-finals and finals and chances to get there. I mean, I don't, you know, that it's a kind of weird one for me. I'm not a big fan of cup finals. I, I don't I don't like cup finals because I think it's about, so the last few I've been to, I just think, I look around about me. So we would, Mumble's home crowd's 4,000. So you get 4,000 diehards. But we'll get a season ticket, we'll go every week. Yeah. Get the cup final, there's 15,000 people there. And I'm like, so these 11,000 people who are probably just going to go to one game every four or five <laughs> years, years are potentially going to see us lift a cup. And I've been going every day, every, every week for like 25 years. They don't deserve to see us. And there's a bit of me, I'm like, I'm surrounded by these punters. It just won't mean as much. To them, is for the for the people that go week in week out. And that, 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 that's just a fact. And you know, it's like me and a couple of mates would go to the game regularly. Cup finals come along, and suddenly I'm up there looking for 25 tickets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where are these 23, 22 people with our time? So I kind, I kind of get a bit. I'm like a, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of cup finals for the, the sort of tourist aspect. Don't get me wrong, I'd rather we took 15,004. But I just think, oh, I yeah, don't yeah. <laughs> I want the only one, the only kind of one I've been to and we've won, not a Scottish Cup, but League Cup was 2014. I didn't even feel we could celebrate it properly because, again, we're in penalties and it just felt like relief. You were yeah. like, and again, if you were to talk about, you talked to most people, I spoke to Nort when I was speaking to Nori uh, about the 2014 Scottish Cup final. He says, I can barely remember anything about the game All because right. you're going through it and you're just like, Everyone goes through the emotion before a game, your nerves or you're excited, you wake up, you're excited, and then you go, it's a cup final, but and mm-hmm. we don't we, we don't we've no one cup final for a while. We don't win them normally. And I then think, you think, go up and down, then the team lineups come in and you're assessing the lineups and all oh, right, okay, maybe and then you go, all right, I we're playing Celtic. <laughs> that comes in. All that, right, Celtic. That's, that's exactly that's that's such a good point because the last, I mean the last last three cup finals we've been in, Celtic. The one before that was Rangers, and you're like, you know, in the Celtic side we were playing in those finals, it was it was around about the invincible time as well, and you're thinking, absolutely no chance here. And sure enough, you, you turn up there and you barely lay a glove on them. And I mean, people say, oh, winning a semi-final is great and getting to a final is great. I get to a final is great if you win it. So you get to the final and getting beat. It's a waste of time. Exactly, you'd rather get with the semi-finals, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely, man. I, I just, I don't, I've never understood that kind of thing. Oh, well, you get a day out. It's only a day out if you win. It's not much a day out when you get beat. 
I we're a bit we're a bit like you. We've never had the, the luxury of playing like a a known Celtic Rangers for a long time. If we get to a final, and you look at some of the teams that have won in in kind of recent years, so you your Ross Counties, your Invernesses, and you think, okay, now well, these teams are, are you know St Johnstons, and yeah, how teams are picking up silverware, and you know every time we seem to we seem to get to a final, where you know we get one of those two, and inevitably get 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 popped out. So aye, um, but it's good. It's good that we're, we made it in the next round. That was one of the things I, I really enjoyed about the Scottish Cup and. Um, was watching back the highlights because you get that proper sports scene yes. highlights package so yep. you get a couple of feature games you can, can do with the analysis but you get Aye. to see all the other games as well so you're watching you know your cameras are up at Peterhead and yep. um, they're maybe at Forth or Armentrose all these places you don't normally see and that, that's what I really like about the about the cup as well that kind of these kind of wee highlights package you get as well I think that's a brilliant Saturday night because we've all grown up watching it back in, I remember like back in the 90s you'd have the likes of Huntley going on mad, crazy cup runs. I've been fortunate enough now where, where I live in terms of being almost born, not born, to be married into an Auckland Lake family. Uh-huh. The air game, which was yep. brilliant, um, and stuff like that. And that's what you remember. It's like the cup shocks. Unfortunately, the weekend, there wasn't really a shock as such. You want a uh-huh. shock, it, it helps the cup keep going. Though, the brilliant thing is, the cup draw, everyone's delighted, apart from Premier Sports, Rangers are playing Celtic. <laughs> it, it's brilliant. That is what you want. The balls uh, were not heated. They must have. They must have been. The radio must have not been working or something like that. Fantastic, isn't it? Because you, you can just you can just imagine the the guys in the board at Premier Sports watching that draw and just being like, oh fuck. They're to deal with the fact that it's not going to be the uh, the big final that they all want. But uh, you're right. It's funny. It was funny this weekend. There wasn't much in the, in the way of shocks. I haven't really looked through the results. Maybe. I don't know, maybe Kamarlock for nothing at Stenhouse Muir, maybe that was unexpected. Um, I scored a goal, that, that's pretty unexpected. <laughs> I have been uh, managing to find the great guns on battle and get a goal, but I, it, was, it was kind of bereft, of kind of, even a lot of close shaves, you know, it just, yeah. it just, to be honest, there wasn't a lot of ties in that round where you kind of thought there could have been a shot. Motherwell maybe up at, you know, Fort Martin, but yeah, we got off to a good start and it was kind of game over by, by 2 nothing. so... Um, I think obviously Hearts take the take a biscuit from the previous. Um, Definitely, aye. That was that was probably the, the the kind of biggest shock of the season. That'll probably go on for everything else. I missed a trick because I noticed when I'd mentioned that you were coming on the podcast, Laurie uh, used to be in the <laughs> podcast. He was like, "Oh, it was my invite." I, I've said to him before. He, he's too popular for us nowadays. Hollywood um, sure these days, isn't he? I know. I I'm sure he'll come on at some point, but I should have maybe got him on tonight. That would have been good, actually. Um, though I'm not sure he'd have been too keen to talk about that game. Aye, <laughs> fair play to me. He's get, he's living the life just now. Uh, what he does, but we'll get him back on at some point. Ah, he's doing, um, doing really well, Laurie. He's I, mean, I, I know he's he's um, he's kind of hearts things really taking off. I think he's um, and he's kind of um, pretty popular as well. He create a lot of subscribers and viewers and stuff. So I good yeah. on him, man. He was he always he always worked hard at stuff like that. When he, even he was on the podcast, I remember him doing stuff for like the program and all that. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's good. It's good to see him. Um, kick on with that as well. She's you know, another, another good guy. Aye, definitely. Um, going back to like you talk, talking about away days at Dundee United, what's your, your favourite away day of all? Where, where's your, your pleasure of going? So in terms of like a stadium, where, where, where do I go the most? I think I've always liked going up to Inverness. I think... Um, 
I just like the kind of setup at Inverness. I like that we stand behind the goals. I like there's, I like the fact there's a wee bit of, a wee bit of concrete gap and then the railings. Because right. if you get if you can get a good run down the stairs, you can get yourself standing up in those railings at the front. Um, and we always take a pretty boisterous crowd to Inverness as well. So that that's a good one. Um, I've always, I mean, either of the Edinburgh clubs is always a good Aye. day out. So that was. Traditionally for us, you know, Hibs or Arts is a, you know, train through at quarter past 11 in the morning. Uh, you um, can go direct, that's yeah, just good. I mean, it's 40 minutes from here there, so it's pubs all day into the game and then, you know, pubs and a quick train back. So um, loads and loads of good away ones at, at, at Tyne Castle and um, Tyne Castle and Easter Road as well. So I probably, Tyne Castle, I think, probably just edges it because if you get a big crowd in there, um, I think the atmosphere at Tyne Castle is always... Well, and Hibs is good as well, but I think just that kind of proximity to the park and the steep stands and just gives it that, that wee extra edge. So I, or, or I mean, every day in the cup likes that, you know, kind of likes getting drawn away at a kind of smaller team as well. So maybe yeah. down to Stranra a few years ago and um, Annan and these sort of places. I like, I like the opportunity to go to maybe grounds that you've not been at before as well. And, you know. Yeah. Um, going back again, so much as you say, maybe you're going to get properly into going, like maybe... 93 roughly. How did you first get going at Motherwell Games? Family? Motherwell fans or it was just kinda of, it was just kinda of, uh, pals for the school, I suppose. Um so when I was a bit I was a bit younger again, so I would have been maybe what age would I have been? Maybe about twelve, something like that. Um Were you banning yeah. the drum back then? Was it you? No, no, there was no drums back then. <laughs> no, that was uh, uh, I remember going to uh, I remember going to watch it was Motherwell Aberdeen. Um and that must have been, I that must have been run about 86, 87, maybe. So that was the time when Aberdeen were coming to town and, yeah. you know, running the show. Uh, and I remember I, I knew that one of the funny, funny things you remember, I got a new, uh, I got a new jacket. Okay. I, I had a white skedaddle jacket. Right, so if there's any of the older listeners on this, it was like, you know, like one of these ski jacket things. Like a you all the rage at the time, and uh, I remember being up behind the goals at Fir Park in the Terrace, and uh, it was it was a televised game, and I could pick myself at the crowd because I had this this <laughs> white jacket on. Um, so I, I guess that would have been around about kind of eighty six, eighty seven. But I mean, then I would I would go to Fir Park now and again. As yeah. I say, most of my Saturdays were spent. Some some windswept public parks somewhere in, in the west of Scotland, uh, watching amateur football, and then yeah, again kind of '93. It was um, a lot of the guys that was hanging about with at the time, uh, two or three of them had season tickets. So I would, I was home from Edinburgh and the weekends anyway. You know they were going to the game on a Saturday, so I was like, oh, I'll just go to the game as well. And it kind of snowballs a wee bit for that. For being you know you're paying in at the gate for a wee while to being like, oh, I might as well get a season ticket. I thought I might as well just go in the supporters bus on a Saturday as well. And I guess it just all kind of snowballed um, from me from there. It's funny, you know, it's not really a big a big kind of family thing. My old man, old man was involved in amateur football a lot. Yeah. I suppose he was a Rangers supporter. I suppose that was, if anything, growing up, I remember that. But um, there wasn't really a big sort of family, family tie. I, I, I didn't have any brothers or anything that went to the game. So um, it was just, you know, it was, it was easy to get there. And it was cheap to get in, and it was it was Aye. just on the road, so it was, yeah, it was it was a dead easy option when you were young. So who was your your early heroes? 
I think the guy, I mean, the guy that sticks out for me, we were talking about, you know, David Turnbull earlier and, and you know, is he the best I've seen at Fifth Park? The only, the only other one that would probably rank and that's a top five would be David Cooper. So, again, you can, 92 and 93, I was catching the tail end of, um, you know, David Cooper being at Motherwell and it's just, you know, just a mesmerising talent. Um, I, I don't. I think it's probably safe to say there's. there's I mean, McFadden had a wee bit of that about him, but he was in the same league as David Cooper, and I, I think McFadden's a great player. Aye. Um, but Cooper, even at the age he was, actually would have been probably early thirties at that point, and you know the guy was just. It, it was. It was. It was like watching you know one of the greats playing football, and um, that can always always stuck in my mind. And you know after that, we'd been I mentioned before Tommy Coyne, so you Tommy Coyne and Dougie Arnott up there as a strike force. So, I mean, they were, you know, they had two or three seasons where they were um, just really prolific as well. And Dookie Arnott was just a wee pest, wasn't he? Oh. The type of guy you'd want in your team. He, I said, I was saying last week about Scott, Scott Brown, right? Scott Brown's a bar, a bar steward, to put it in the polite way. But when he's your bar steward, it's brilliant. Oh, definitely. else is bar steward. I hate, hate him. Definitely. Man, was that type, I think, wasn't he? I think he'll be. I think Brown will be a really good, a really good signing for Aberdeen. I think, you know, just on the playing front, regardless of what he's going to do in the coaching role. I think on the playing front, um, I think he'll be a crack signing because you're right. I mean, guys like him, guys like him, and you know, Neil Lennon and guys like that, that, that you know, people detest. Well, they detest them for a reason exactly. because they're, they're effective. But if they're on your team, there's nothing better. And I think Arnott was. I think Arnott was just a, was just a pain in the ass, really, because he was, you know, he was five foot nothing. Yep. But um, the kind of again, he came up through the kind of amateur junior ranks as well. So he played for years and years and years at kind of what people would say a lower level before he really, um, he really kind of broke into the, the kind of motherwell team. But um, I mean, him and Tommy Coyne playing up front together in the kind of uh, the kind of early mid nineties was just an unbelievable partnership. The goals that they got between the two of them and the understanding they had as well. It was, yeah. it was just, it was just incredible. Um, so I those I mean those guys jump it as well. I mean I suppose as you're kind of getting through the years, kind of you're looking towards the kind of McFadden's and Pearson's. Stevie Carroll as a player, I like Pearson. I always like Pearson as a player. I feel he never quite did what he should have done. I, I think he was a right good player. I think you're right. I mean he he came back to Motherwell was even in his second spell at Motherwell, which was was a good bit older. I think he still he still showed that. That potentially be that box to box midfielder, that guy that was just again a wee bit like Turnbull. He had the physique and he had the fitness about him, but he was a wee bit more direct. Pearson, yeah, uh, the good turn of pace. It kind of, it kind of ended a wee bit in a sour note with Pearson at Motherwell because I mean he was going to Celtic, and that's fair enough. I don't think he was really going to deny him his move, but yeah, I think he'd appeared in the back of the paper with a Celtic shirt on or something. He was still signed at Motherwell and. Kind of, you know, it's it a bit of a which is a bit of a shame because it was it was great to see that kind of crop of young players come through all at the same time. You, your Hamels, McFadden's, and, and Pearsons, and you know, Lasley was in the team by that point. Yeah. You know, David Clarkson's coming through as well, hot in the heels of that. So it was a real kind of a real kind of boon uh, spell for Motherwell with that, and it was a lot. It was forced um, forced to hand because of the administration thing. These were the guys that were. Available yeah, to play, yeah. so, so you know, we, we turned we turned out and played them. And, Goes back uh, to circumstances, we, well, don't it? Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, again, a lot of these these kids might not have been given the opportunity they had if um, if that kind of thing hadn't come up, and maybe they're loaned out somewhere else, and you know they end up not playing for Motherwell as well. So, um, uh, that was that was a golden era as well, kind of around about those 
those times as well. And then you jump forward to the John Boyle years where you know, we're going to be the third force in Scottish football and you know, you know, you're signing Andy Gorham and paying him six grand a week and you beat John <laughs> Spencer and you know, you're thinking, hmm, I'm not sure this is this is going to work and I sure enough the administration comes comes about two years later. Um, well maybe we'll move on to maybe kind of some of what we do with the guest specials and have a wee a wee slow fire we call it as opposed to quick fire because yep. it's never quick it's always a wee bit slow so you've mentioned about Dundee United away in the cup being one of your favourite games what would be your, your favourite memory supporting Motherwell oh and now that's a tricky one there's just I think, I think for me, there's two that stand out. So uh, we, we played Hibs away um, just before Christmas. It was, I think, was it the day after my 30th birthday. I can't remember. It might have been my 30th birthday. 2-0 uh, down Easter Road, come back to win 3-2. Again, it's just one of those brilliant days, a brilliant day out in the train, a brilliant day in Edinburgh. You know, a last-minute winner, a brilliant game. Brilliant couple of hours in the pub, and then I, I just a riotous chain journey home after it. Just, <laughs> just one of the days that if you scripted it at the start to finish, it was just perfect. It's perfect. But it's only eclipsed by probably finishing second in the league up at up at Petodre. Aye, yeah. you had to bring that one up, didn't you, Greg? Aye. I, I think that has, I mean, that's still. That goal that should have been given. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, goalkeepers get far too much protection they these do, days. They were just they were just giving the, the, the score up. But I, I mean, I remember getting up that day and um, kind of thinking, well, even if we don't, you know, even if we don't get in, it's been a brilliant season. So I thought I'm going to go up in the last because we were taking a big crowd up that day. And I thought it'd be nice just to go up anyway, and you know. And uh, kind of applaud the, the players off, but I for it to, to turn out the way it did, and just the circumstances it did. And I think it's I think it's when you I think it's when you look at the pictures after it to see what it meant to everybody, you know, because you know we're never going to win the league. We're just never going to win the league. Never, yeah. never in my lifetime, or probably my kids' lifetime, unless there's a there's a sea change in Scottish football. Yeah. And I think for a lot of Motherwell fans, that was that's kind of about as close as you're going to get by finishing. Second and finishing second in that fashion, we are kind of again a last minute winner at an away ground is is, 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 is brilliant. So I probably, probably that one. How many how many rows did you fall down that when you scored that? It's funny, you know. I was um, <laughs> it's not so. Petardry isn't too bad actually. There's a, there's a wee bit of room in the seats, but on the the same row that I was standing in was um, Leanne Dempster and and loads of the staff and model. So I think okay. they'd all they'd all just got a bus up. Because it was the last game of the season, so they'd all get bus up and they were on tickets in the way end and all the rest of it. It was just absolute carnage. Derek Weir, it was a direct at the time, he was in there as well. So it was just it's just one of the great days. And I was I would actually um I'd arranged to stay over in Aberdeen that day because I thought I can't board. I want to go and get a couple of beers before the game. Yeah. Didn't fancy the bus, so I was staying over. So I I'd I'd managed um so I'd get back to the hotel and I'd get for a few pints. It's funny, I'd get into Brewdog in Aberdeen and um, there's loads of Aberdeen fans and I was like oh. but I get chatting to two or three guys in there and they're like oh I caught for a game oh, brilliant on this it's just another one of the really good I like that as well I like guys chatting to there's a lot of folk who are like oh get exactly. out of here what do you want to do that for I was like well, all the, they just support a different team they've still got the same passion exactly man there was no animosity there was no that it was just, it's just guys you know that like football talking about their football teams and I thought that's that's really what it's about at the end of the day when you're, yeah. when you're following your clubs and models it's just about you know chatting about football and having a good day up. 
favourite manager in your time supporting Motherwell? I think probably, oh, I think probably Stuart McCall. I think, I think again that kind of era of where we, we had a lot of decent finishes. We were playing some good football. We had a good side at that time. A lot of good players. You guys like Chris Humphrey coming in and, and just yeah. running, running the show in the wing. You had Big Sean Hutchison coming in as well, and you know your Chris Cadens were starting to come through. And I think I think Stuart McCall came across as a good guy as well. I think that was that was a kind of big bit of it too. And again. I can a wee bit. He can I think he kind of went the same way as Robertson. He ran out of ideas. We wanted to go before his time is up. Um, I mean, you you would go up there like they would, they would have a, they'd have like um, family days up at Fir Park, and you'd go up there and, and Stuart McCall's up there saying autographs and playing with the kids and all that. And again, a wee bit like Goodman, just come just come across as a as a good guy and, yeah. and, and happened to coincide with. His, um, you're doing well around that time as well. So I think your memories are probably formed by that. Terry Butcher did well. Come in. Did a decent job as well in difficult circumstances. Another guy that did a really good job for Mother was Craig Brown. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Came in when we were really, really struggling and, and you know, looking like we were heading out of the league and, and, and you know, turned us around. We were, I think we were a, a post-width away from the group stages of the Europa League at one point under under Craig. And again, just unfortunately, the way it finished for him at Fir Park, it kind of ended in a bit of a sour note, which I always thought was a shame because he should have been remembered as being just a really good manager for Motherwell, but the way he exited, I think, kind of blotted his, his, his copybook a wee yeah. bit. Probably should have call. It's interesting with Craig Brown, because I think even with the Scotland situation, and you're similar age to me, and we remember getting to tournaments all the time, but even then, folk didn't appreciate Craig Brown. No. And then everyone had this perception of him as being a negative manager who only picked old players. But you go back, and looking back, and there was the, I think probably was last summer, and BBC Scotland were showing the old tournaments that we were in. We played some alright football. We didn't play that badly. You look at the teams that we played and stuff like that. Um, probably only now does he get the credit that he should have got. I think you're right. I think he was. I think he was kind of seen a bit as a kind of maybe a bit an easy target, maybe a bit of kind of yeah, kind of older guy as well, and maybe easy to poke a bit of fun with. But I remember watching the because I was a bit like I was a bit indifferent to Craig Brown. And I thought I'm not sure about this guy. And I remember he, he did a really good interview with I think it was like Match of the Day or something. And it was the it was a pre-recorded thing, and it was it was broadcast the morning of the um, the, the day we played England uh, in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, yeah. And he just came across really well. Just spoke really well, and his passion came across, and his knowledge came across. And I thought, I actually, you know, this guy's pretty good. And he did. He carried that. He carried that forward at Motherwell. As I say, you he got us into European competition, and we, we, we did reasonably well in there as well. And I think I think that was I think that's why lots of Motherwell fans were. So annoyed at the way he departed yeah. because they were all a bit gutted because he had done really well. I, I think that's a sign that a good manager, you know, if, if you go and people are, you know, unhappy, that's generally a good sign because you, you must have done a decent job. Yeah. Um, aside from the football things, and we'll get back to f- the football things for the last question because I know you like your alternative beers and ales. What's, mm. your, what's your favourite? Favourite all time? Oh, yeah, of just now or all time, it can be either. You can go for both. I'll give you both. Favourite all time is a beer called. Um, now let me get this. Let me get the name of this right. I think it's called Ten Finger Discount. Ten Finger Discount. My memory serves me. I like correct. it. 
and, and well, this is like that. You'd buy it just for the name, wouldn't you? Exactly. So it's, it's a, that's a, the thing, see the things I remember. I really need to get a bit of life. It was brewed by it was brewed by a brewery called Siren. You heard the Siren? No. See, so Siren I, did it. We had this conversation a while back. I tried to get into, but trying the ales and all that type of thing. But I think I've got an allergy. See, as soon as I get, I start drinking them. Itchy eyes and all sorts. Aye. And rash and it, I looked up on the internet and I was like, aye, it's a quite a common thing with eels. Really? And aye. IPAs and stuff like that, aye. So, uh, it's maybe the hops or something, isn't it? Maybe aye. The hops are just, I'm just going to turn you. So this was, a, this was an IPA and it was aged in cedarwood. Have you heard it, ever heard it more, any more preposterous <laughs> in your life? It was aged on cedarwood. But that's your... Um, but you, they did that a few years ago and it was just, it was just brilliant. These days... I don't know. I mean, it changes week to week. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying new stuff now. I mean, like I said, the supermarkets are, are, are crazy now. Tesco oh, is, are, is nuts. You're in there and you can get your pick of maybe 20, 30 different, different beers as well. So, yeah. Um, what, did, what was I having last night? Did I have a beer last night? Uh, I, had a, uh, I had a brewery called Deya, D-E-Y-A. Right, okay. And uh, they were, had a couple of IPAs that they were doing. So, I anything really... Yeah, I, was, I did the beer 52 for a while and I quite enjoyed it, but as I say, I seemed to just break out in a bad allergy to them, so I was like, right, I need to get more lagers. Uh, with that. You like your wine as well, or not? Not a big wine drinker. I can have a glass of red wine if I'm having my dinner, but uh, I mean, I can literally have a glass anymore and a glass and I'm, I'm not good the next day. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't really, I don't drink a great deal these days anymore, maybe a couple of beers here and there. Yeah. Um because I just I just can't handle the hangovers anymore. Aye. So I, it's kind of few and far between for me now. But yeah, wine, half a bottle of wine and I'm you know, I'm all right off the next day. I can't touch it. <laughs> um and I know like we've obviously spoken about it earlier in terms of the music thing, because uh, we've had good conversation before many a time about music. I know you love Teenage Fan Club. But mm. who's your what would be a go to album? If you could only have one album you could listen to, what's your album? Not necessarily Teenage Fan Club. So I don't know if that's your favourite band, but it's one that Always sticks out in terms of you saying that you, you liked. Favourite album? Oh wow! Um, again, it probably it probably changes on a reasonably frequent basis. Ones that jump out as being like a good album just for start to finish. Very few, but I love a I love a Nationals album, a High Violet. Yeah, yeah. My wife loves them. I went to see them at. Kevin Grove band, bandstand a few years back, and I was. I was there the as best. well. Really, I was, Craig was, was there a couple of years ago. I seen Craig, Craig was there with me that day. I was there. Was with he? Craig. <laughs> I was How was did there. he not say? Because I seen Craig. I was trying to catch his eye, and it was like, and then I spoke to him briefly. He never said you were even with him. I, I mean, Craig were there that day. Um, it's a good gig. So I, I love, I love that album. I think. Do you like the stuff he's done with Taylor Swift? Sorry, right. I, I don't. I, I, that's what it is, a lot of that stuff. I don't, I mean, I can listen to it, I think it's all right. I think some of the songs are pretty good. Would I be buying and listening to it all the time? I'm, I'm not sure about that. I was quite surprised uh, when I seen that he was doing stuff like that. Nah, I, I don't know, I think, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the one album, if I was to play, pick an album that I would play, I would play, if I could take one with me, probably Sugar, Copper Blue. I think that would be my pick. I don't know that one. The band Sugar, you know uh, uh, Bob Mould? No. Have a look at, have a look for um, bands called Sugar and the album. Okay. Copper Blue. 
It's an old one. It's back. It's kind of... It would, that would be oh, early 90s, early mid-90s. Right, okay. Uh, that's really good. And uh, Jane's Addiction as well. Uh, Ritual de Loja Beachel. Another really good one. So I, yeah, I mean, you could, you could ask me next week, and I'll probably, I'll probably give you another, another two or three. But I, I, Copper Blue is good. good. Do you like anything just now? Any uh, band you like just now? I know I'd mentioned the lot, the Lightham's Day. I don't know if you ever listened to them. No, nah, no, nah, not really. I don't. Uh, my my youngest boy, he likes his music. So uh, when I'm in the car with him, he's got stuff on. So it's the Snots. I like, I like the Snots. I'm liking yeah. them. They're the type of band I can see that I'd want to be 19 and be in the scene. Aye, definitely. I mean, that's all, all, the, all the young team love the snuts around about here. They played, in fact, they, they played up at Motherwell. Um, God, when would that have been? Isn't it last year? It must have been the year before last. They played like a, like a kind of end of tour show up at Motherwell and the you know, tickets were like, like gold dust. So I, I think, I like so I like all these kind of, these kind of, these kind of young bands that are coming at the moment and doing their own thing. I like, the, I like the fact the snuts kind of, I suppose they just have their own style as well. So you do, know, yeah. A couple of songs that are totally different from other ones too. So, you know, uh, still a lot of old stuff I listen to these days. I, you know, I came back and listened to just about anything. I was at, I was at Painter Fence in the Garden the day and I had uh, a Paul Oakenfold's Goa sessions yeah, on. So, yeah. anything for that, to Teenage Fan Club, to Billy Bragg, to you, know, you name it, National. I think growing up in the 90s as well was such an interesting time because it was all like, obviously, all your Britpop and indie music, but the dancing was so good at the same time as well. Ah, so you, you, you like you like both plus there was all the crossovers with like Primal Scream and Stone Roses and all that type of thing, Black Grape, Happy Mondays. Aye, definitely man. It's like it's like you know, it's like you talk to every older person and they'll always hark back to their era as being the best one. But yeah, I think the early nineties was just maybe it's just because you're that age, but I'll, I'll look at a lot of bands now and I wouldn't really I wouldn't really cross the road to go and see a lot of the bands, whereas you you know yourself back then it was you know two or three gigs a month. Yeah, yeah, the definitely. Barrowlands more than you were anywhere else. So I, I, I loved all those times. Great times. Um, another one that we ask to guess now, what would be your death row meal? My death row meal. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm trying to think who it was that brought this one up. It was one of our guests actually asked it does. But, and, uh, I had uh, years and years and years ago, I had. Um, I was up in Plockton with, uh, with my wife. We were up, up doing a wee Highland tour and we stopped off at Plockton and I had uh, Languistines right, okay. at Plockton and they were incredible. I've never, I've had, I've had Languistines a few times since yeah. then. Nothing like these. They, they, I think they'd just been plucked out of the water about half an hour before and they what, were just... What were they worth? What was worth them like? I think they were just done in some, uh, a wee bit of garlic and a wee bit of oil. It was just, that, it was just simple. Really, really simple. There was nothing very, very little in it. And yeah. they were just unbelievable. So I'd probably go for some like that. I still like a nice steak. So yeah, if I was wanting something a wee bit filling, I'd go for a proper steak and, you know, a wee side of fries and, and a nice peppercorn sauce, maybe something like that. Right, okay. A couple of IPAs. Aye, aye, right. Um, and then the showstopper that we like to do, but it's a wee guest special, that is your best one to 11 that you've seen, Motherwell, in your lifetime. Any any formation of your choice? Things. Go, okay, start with the goalkeeper. Then we go on this, because we, we've had a lot of really good goalkeepers over the last seven in 15 years. Uh, for me, it probably comes down to two, so it would either be the legendary Seed Dykstra, um, uh, he's just he was just a man 
back then. I've got, I've got a brilliant picture. Uh, it was the last day of the terracing at Fir Park and, and um, the players were warming up and Dexter was there and we shouted them over and they got a photograph with us all. And he's his goalkeeper top on, he's got a big gold chain. Okay, aye. <laughs> so he's warming up with this big bag gold in his neck. So he was really good. Tash as well. You don't even mention. Oh, the, 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 the massive tash as well. I mean, he was just just a legendary guy amongst amongst models. support. I suppose more of a, I suppose more of a cult figure. Um, and a, a decent keeper as well. You know, he was a good keeper, a good keeper as well. But I probably picked the ones that in my lifetime lifetime I've seen. It would need to be Darren Randolph, I think. Aye. I think Dan Randolph yeah. was, was just a brilliant keeper and we were just dead lucky to have him for, for those two or three seasons. I know, no, top keeper. Um, what about at the back? What, can I, what would you go for? Three, four? I'm going to go... Oh, I think I'll go four. I'll go four, four, two. I think I'll go old school, four, four, two. This is difficult, man. There's the yes, So left, left back's easy. So left back's Stevie Harrell. There's can't, can't he not be, can it? I mean, nobody else. The only other guy that might have had a sneaky look in at left back would have been um, Rab McKinnon. Rab McKinnon is a really good player too. good, yeah. Um, but I think just in terms of longevity and, and number of years played, uh, I, I think uh, I think Stevie Hamill gets that role right back. Right back's tough. We've not had a we've not had a lot of brilliant right backs over the year. It's always been a wee bit of a kind of problem position for us. I probably I probably plump for I probably go for Tom Hately. I think at right Tom back. Hately, that's an interesting one. He was a wee bit, he was much maligned, Tom Hately, because his dad was always sitting in the paper saying that his boy should be playing in midfield. So he kind yeah, of got a wee yeah. bit of a hard time for that. But he was a he was a decent right back for us and he, he chipped in with a, um, a fair few goals as well through three kicks too. Yep, so yeah. I like Tom Hately and again, he was a good guy as well. You know, I think he was kind of, I think he was kind of overshadowed because of who his dad was. Aye. He kind of he kind of got a wee bit a, a wee bit of a tough one, but he, he used to take it in good fun and and, and, and give a wee bit back. So, hi, I'll probably go for this. Probably somebody. Standing so I was trying to think myself. Even a right back, I can remember it by the way, but there's no any I can think of that stick out. Uh, it's interesting there you're mentioning too. Like you could have McKinnon or Hamill at left back as well. It's funny how these things turn out. I mean, right back. Yeah, tough. Richard Tate was good. I mean, Richard Tate was a good right back too. Not really. Outstanding, but yeah, I'm going to I'm going to punt for Hately because he was uh, he scored some cracking free kicks for us as well, so it's good to have that in the side. Centre halves, look Nihil, look Nihil, aye, well, yeah, look Nihil, could could well could well um, maybe be in there. Again, he was a wee bit before my time. I kind of caught the end of Nihil, so. But I think he was he no more. I know I think he played right back at the '91 final, but he's not more of a centre back. Aye, he he could play he could play centre half or right or right back as well, but. Um, centre halves again difficult. Um, aye, that's really centre halves really difficult, man. I suppose Craigan. I suppose Craigan has to be in. Does he? Does he? Does he make it in? Or is that just a? Or is that just a romantic choice because he was there for so long? Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Sean Hutchison. Aye, aye, yeah. Some injuries, weren't they, when he moved down south? Aye, Sean Hutchinson was a cracking player for us. He's just one of these guys that, that comes into the team and you just think, 
this boy's a, a proper player and he's he's gonna go into a, a good career and he has he's done really he's done really well. John Hutchinson, I'd love to see him back at uh, back at Fort Park in, in some shape or form. Other centre halves, and you've got loads of choices, you know, you Kagan's in there, Kipri's in there. Chris McCart. Brian Martin's in there. Big, big Brian Martin could be in there. Chris McCart as well. Yeah. Chris ah, McCart. I wasn't really. I was a, was the biggest fan of Chris McCart. Uh, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Big Brian Martin. There you go. I'll go with Big Brian Martin, Martin and Sean Hutchison uh, at the back. Midfield. So I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to play with two I'm going to play with two wingers I'm going to go I'm going to attack here. Aye, oh, that's what we want. That's what we here to see. Proper wingers. None of this inverted wingers, push. No, proper wingers on the left. I've got to go with David Cooper on the left. Ah, yeah, yeah. I thought, uh, again, your McFadden sometimes filled in the left as well was decent, but uh, yeah, I think I think David Cooper was a man. I don't think there'd be anybody probably in Scottish football um, to, to touch uh, David Cooper. Right wing. Chris Humphrey was good. Chris Humphrey was absolutely lightning. Yep. Um, I always remember him like he was a three and he played most often a three, didn't he, under McCall? Aye, but he was just he's just an incredibly fast player. Just one of these guys that when he got the ball, you know, it's one of these players when they get the ball, you can hear the you can hear the anticipation in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Um, aye, I'm going to go with him again. There's, there's probably loads of other options as well, but he, he's the one that stands out for me as being just that that, that guy that could get him down that, that wing at pace. Yeah. Middle of the park. Really difficult because, again, I pick a couple of defensive players. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of doing that. We've had good defensive midfielders. You know, guys like Steve Jennings was in there as a, as a, as a yeah, crime yeah. defensive mid. Uh, Alan Campbell, of course, in there as well. But, I don't. I don't think you can have a living but having uh, Phil O'Donnell in there as well. So aye, definitely. Phil O'Donnell fill one of these spots, and yeah, I probably need. To, yeah, I probably need to put Turnbull in there as well. Turnbull's uh, in there, so no place for Lasley. No, no. Again, another another cracking player for Motherwell, but it's more to do with his longevity. I like. I like this team. You're going to attack. It's pure attack here. No, listen, look, we better score more than we can see because. <laughs> We're not, we're not leaving much out there. And the final two positions, this is nigh on impossible to pick two from the, the selection of forwards that, that you could have. I mean, every day for, you know, every day for Stevie Kirk, Arnott, Coyne, McFadden's in there, yeah. Louis Moulk's in there, Michael Higdon's in there. Higdon was... Aye, aye, Higdon. Mm. Oh, it's nigh on impossible. I, I think I'm going to have to... I think I'll go with Higdon. I think I'll Deny. pick Higdon. John Sutton as well. John Sutton. Higdon, was Higdon not top scorer at one point in the league? Higdon. Aye, Higdon. He, he, he won the... He won the um, Player of the Year. Aye. The same season he had that brilliant season for Motherwell. And he was just... Absolutely unplayable, and he's one of these guys that kind of came with a decent reputation, but not. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't a world beater, but um, he, he must have just fell into that side at the right time, and 
Um, he was unplayable that season. So I've got to pick Higdon. I've got to pick somebody else. Stevie Cat would be a romantic choice. I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go Tommy Coyne, I think. Tommy Coyne. Sure, I think we'll score off. I'll go Tommy Coyne. I think, think they two would pair up all right, Coyne and Higgins. I think they would die, they would, I think. I think they probably would die. If Higgins got that wee bit of presence and Coyne would be darting in the bit. But I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's countless names I've, I've left, off of, left, off of that, left off of that list. But I, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that one. And you taking yourself as manager? <laughs> I know. No chance. I don't think anybody would be up for managing that side. They'd probably get cuffed. <laughs> uh, six nothing, but no, I'd probably go. I'd get Stuart McCall. Stuart McCall in charge of that. I think he'd like that side. I know. I, I think he definitely would. A good attacking side. But uh, but no, good team. I've enjoyed that. It's good having you back. Ah, it's on. good fun. Nah. I wish you'd give me a bit of warning there. Cause that was. Uh, I see. We've been there all day thinking about it. We sometimes give warning, but then that make that kind of spoils the fun of you bit because you you'd have spent ages thinking about it. We're ah, sometimes yeah. just off the cuff thinking about it uh, because. Uh, it's better, so I we need to make it no as long. Maybe you never know. Maybe if you win the cup this year, we need to get you back on. Definitely, man. I if we if we if we lift that somewhere in in May, I'll be happy to come back. I'm kind of hoping we don't. Kind of hoping we get put out the cup pretty shortly because I don't want to be watching Murdo win a cup final with no dare. Just I'd I'd be, aye, be terrible. Not interested. It's that's a weird one because I that was something that nobody was talking about when he was on. It was like I were in a cup final, but. You're watching it's the house yourself. No, the same, man. It's just, it's not, I mean, and if you need to, I'm really superstitious with stuff like that. And I think, well, if we're, if we're going to win it once more, it better not be this year because he's <laughs> going to be there. So, you know, I'd, I'd be quite happy where we run in the cup. But I wouldn't be disappointed to be getting papped yeah, yeah. in the semi final stage somewhere. Like Same when fan, foreign fans are allowed back, I definitely. Um, but I know, but I would, thanks again, Greg, for coming back on. The board man enjoyed it. It's good fun. Right, cheers guys.